as keep praying if you're praying um, I don't want to interrupt but um, I feel like the Lord was reminding me that we have prayed for and seen healing in several babies in the womb is there anybody who either I'm going to assume just we'll just say you know somebody whether that's yourself or somebody else but you know somebody who has a child in the womb who has been diagnosed with some kind of problem is there anybody in here Anybody in here? You know of one? You know of another? Anybody else? You know of another? Okay. Anybody else? We got three? Okay, well that's good. So let's let's just I'm gonna pray for those right now and you just if that's you know, you know who that person is, you, you begin to lift them up. But we we believe we have seen several babies that we prayed for in the womb and they've been miraculously healed. They've gone back to the doctor and had good report after good report. So we thank you, Lord, right now for these babies in the womb. We speak wholeness and health right now into their, into the body of that mother, Lord, and into that baby right now. We thank you, Lord. Do you know who they are? And there's a few in here who know who they are. We're lifting them up to you, God. We thank you. Those children are precious to you. And we come against the work of, of darkness in their life and say, Be healed in Jesus' name. We thank you for miracles being released in these wombs and these babies, Lord. And we look forward to a good report in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now let us know if you hear something, too. That we, not so we can celebrate ourselves, so we can celebrate the goodness of God. So we can hear the sto- more stories about what he's doing. So thank you, Narda. Um, man, God is good. Anybody experience healing right now that you can test right now? Did anybody, anybody sense that from the Lord right now? Amen. There's one. Good. 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 Thank you, Lord. Open your Bibles. Let's go ahead and open your Bibles to Matthew 25 and verse 14. We're going to start there. Today it's kind of going to be, we're going to go to two different passages, and they might be kind of two different messages, but they kind of tie together. They're both really, really long, though. So, <laughs> so it's better to, to you know, under-promise and over-deliver, right? So that's a, this is going to be really long. <laughs> This would be really bad, too, okay? I'm going to over-deliver, okay? <laughs> Just kidding. Okay, so Matthew 25. Um, I mean, you've already heard one message today from my wife. I know it was during the announcements, but she kind of she snuck it in there. Uh, but you'll get the full one next week, so you don't want to miss next week because I know she's got a word from the Lord, and we're excited that she's going to get a chance to get away from the kids and share it with us. Um, Matthew twenty five fourteen. Holy Spirit, we invite you to open the Scriptures, open the Word of God as we read it, and bring things to our hearts, even things that I don't say, God, just as we read the Word in Jesus' name. So G- this is Jesus, He's telling a parable. So we're jumping right in the middle of the parables, and it says, again, it will be, this is the kingdom, the kingdom of heaven will be like this. It will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five talents went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two talents gained two more. 
But the one who'd received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned. Notice it said a long time. That's important here for what we're focused on today. It says, after a long time, the master returned and settled accounts with them. The one who'd received five talents brought the other five, said, Master, look, you entrusted me with five talents, so you have gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with two talents also came. Master, he said, You entrusted me with two talents, so you have gained two more. His master said, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who'd received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. Fear always gets you in trouble, doesn't it? So I was afraid and went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, so you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the banker, so when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him, and throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Don't ever say that Jesus didn't say some hard stuff there. Uh, he was uh, pretty serious about, about some things. It wasn't all just uh, butterflies and tulips. Okay, He did talk about flowers and stuff, but he was making analogies to the kingdom. Now, I want, what we're, gonna, we're not going to break this whole thing down because there's really one, one point I want to get from this parable. Before we get to it, uh, number one, I want to explain what talents are. Okay, is anybody, and I, I've done this before in our church, but I know there's a lot of you who probably haven't heard this message, uh, but have you ever heard someone preach about someone who has, you know, talents, and they talk about it like our talents? You know what I'm saying? Uh, it's kind of funny, I mean, it's kind of humorous, you know, preachers can make all kinds of applications, and sometimes, but this is not talking about your talents, and your abilities, or your skills, or you can, you know, you can stand on your head for five minutes straight, and you know, you don't get lightheaded or whatever talent you have. You can do gymnastics like they do in the Olympics and only you know it because you do it by yourself. What, whatever, you know, it's not talking about those kinds of talents, okay? It's talking literally, and the NIV does a good job there, it's, a, it's money. So what's a talent of money? Well, let me tell you. <laughs> Thank you for asking. A talent of money is 20 years worth of wages for a laborer. Okay, so 20 years wages, so one talent. So remember, the guy, one of them got five, so that's 100 years worth of wages for a common laborer. Other got two, and one got one. So let me just break that down for you. Let's just call that $10 an hour, okay? We'll just talk about a low-level laborer in our, in our society. It would probably be about $10 an hour, okay? So that would mean that 20 years um, worth of earnings would be $416,000. So the five talents would be this. The five talents would be $2.08 million. 
The two talents would be $832,000. And just so you don't think the one person got cheated, no, they got $416,000 in today's money, if you were to compare it. So the, the, one, the one with the one, have you ever felt sorry for that one dude? I mean, don't you? I mean, no. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> I did, but now I know what a talent is. I thought he just had one skill, like you can write your name. <laughs> That's it. No, he, so he got a significant investment, okay? So it's not like he didn't get something. Does God sometimes give people more of something? Yes. And guess what? We get to be all right with that. There's people that are way better at all kinds of things than me. And he's given them more of whatever than me. Uh, whether that can be, you know, physically or, you know, or some kind of spiritual gifts or whatever it may be. You know, God sometimes distributes. He does it according to his will. And so my job is to say, what do I have? What do I have? And so the guy that had one talent, it's not like he, he didn't have anything. And so here's the point I want to make from starting in, the, in this parable from Jesus, is this. The kingdom of God is a long-term investment. You notice it said the master went away for a long time. Sometimes you read this and you think, the guy who had five, he went out and right away he had five more. That's not what happened. <laughs> because that would mean that he did it right away and then for that really long time, he just sat on his hind in and said, I'm waiting for my master to come back. No, it says he put it to work right away. In other words, he took what had been entrusted to him by the master and he started doing something with it. He started using what had been given him from the master. But this is a long-term deal. It says the master was a long, long time away and he came back after a long time. I mean, that guy could have gone back and dug that thing up several times, the guy with one talent. It's not like he didn't have a shot. It's not like the master came back in five days and like, oh, you're right, I should have thought of that. But, you know, I was just kind of jealous of the dude with five for that week and I had to get over that. And, you know, uh, you know, in my country we talk about equality and fairness and we don't want somebody to have more than the other. So obviously Jesus isn't as concerned about that as we are. Um, he wants people to be taken care of. But uh, there's, he has a different view of some things than we do. Um, so, but the idea here was that this was a long-term deal. And sometimes, what I know what happens in my life is I want the short-term fix, not the long-term investment. You know, if, I, I don't know much about investing money, but I know if you, if you invest money, I did take Dave Ramsey, so I know that if you invest the right amount of money, you know, in... 30 years, you'll be a millionaire or something, okay? Haven't quite gotten there yet. Haven't got to the 30 years of investing yet. But the, the point is, is you have to do it for a long time for it to bear a big return. And it's like that in the kingdom as well. I can't make a one-time investment and expect a long-term return. It doesn't work that way. I mean, don't you want it to work that way? I mean, you're like, God, okay, God, let's just take Bible reading, okay? No condemnation. This is a no condemnation zone. Everybody remember that? No condemnation. So, but here's the deal. At the start of the year, usually do at the start of the year, I'm going to read my Bible every day, right? 
How many of us have said that before? Okay, yeah, we've all said that. I'm going to read my Bible every day. And you do it for a week, right? <laughs> or longer. Two. <laughs> We're really good this year. We doubled it. <laughs> Multiplication. That's the kingdom principle too. Multiply. It's going to go to four and eight and 16. Hallelujah. So here's the deal. And we go, oh man, we, we try it for a little bit and then it doesn't seem like, man, that really didn't do much for me. But here's how the kingdom works. This is, this, is what, this is the way Jesus would say it. Okay, you want to try Bible reading and see how it affects your life? Come back in two years. Do it minimum five days a week for two years. Then come back and see the return on your investment. Because it's a, it's a long-term thing where we bear fruit. It's the long-term investment. You know, a lot of Jesus' parables and illustrations, they're, they're all about the long-term. I mean, they're all about something. Like he says, the kingdom of heaven is like this. This is what God's kingdom is like. It's like a little bit of yeast, a little bit of leaven, and it begins to slowly work itself into the dough. You know what we want in the United States right now in America? What do we want? I want bread now, so I just go get it. I don't have to wait for the bread to rise. I don't have to get the yeast in there. I don't have to figure out how to make bread, first of all. You know, like, how do you even do that? <laughs> right? There's people that don't know how to make bread. I'm probably one of them. Um, and so, you know, you don't, there's no time needed because I can get whatever I want when I want it. But in Jesus' day, a lot of things didn't work like that. So he could, he could say, hey, the kingdom's like this. It's going to slowly work its way in. And then that dough is going to begin to be affected. It's going to begin to change the, the, the nature of it. And it's going to begin to, to, to grow and rise. And then when, it, when it's risen, then you, can, then you can actually bake the and have bread. You know, unless you want flat bread. And so, you know, Jesus' illustrations, you know, the farmer went out to sow the seed. You know, because we can read it in 10 seconds. You know, it's like, no, it didn't take 10 seconds for the... For the growth to happen, it took a long time. Those of you that grew up on farms, there's a few that are here, uh, understand that better than uh, the old city boy right here. And so I've never been to a harvest. I've never planted a field. I've planted some things in my backyard or whatever, you know. I tried to plant grass here. That was a waste of time. Um, <laughs> somebody should have told me, don't bother. Um, you know... But it, it doesn't happen overnight. And so I think sometimes in the spiritual, what we do is, is we, we want to just show up and have the one-time deal. And sometimes God does that. You know, He just sometimes just breaks in and just goes, boom. But the reason He does that is to draw me into the long-term investment into His family, into the kingdom of God. It's not a, it's not a one-time deal. It's not a... It's not a just show up when I need something. It's a, it, this, is a, this is a total 100% commitment for life. I mean, that's what it means. Uh, I was talking with someone, they were talking about, you know, we, we give our heart to Jesus, but uh, the phrase, we give our life to Jesus as well. You know, Jesus is not just our Savior, He's our Lord. However you want to say it. It's like when you, you know, if I give my heart to Jesus, hey, okay, you got my heart, You're, or ask Jesus into your heart, you know. Hey, you come into my world, and but it's really more about me giving up myself so I can enter his world and he can give me his life. And so that's a long-term deal. I mean, think about it. God says, you know, the scripture I read, the offer, hey, store up for yourselves treasure in heaven. That's really, 
You can't see that. Do you know what your treasure in heaven looks like? We can't see it. We can't go online. I can't get on my phone and go, boo, heaven.com. <laughs> Let me put in my account number. My account number is the date I got saved. Okay, boom, 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 boom. I put in the date. I gave my heart to Jesus. He, I, you know, he saved me. I was delivered and forgiven and, and saved from sin. I, put the, I can't do that. And I can't go, how much is in my account? <laughs> Do I need to work a little bit harder? No. I mean, you know, I can't do that because we don't know because it's, it's unseen. But it's known, you know, if I know it's there by faith, I believe that when I sow things, I'm going to reap things. In the, in the Scripture it says you do reap what you sow. Let's go to John 15 while I keep talking. You know, it's a long-term investment. And I want to make an application of that with John 15. John 15. John chapter 15. This is where Jesus talks about being uh, the vine and the branches. He's the true vine, His Father's the gardener, and, and we're the branches. So let's, let's read that together. I'll give you a minute to get there. I know some of you are just waiting for the screen. It's going to come on magically, right? <laughs> the power of shame will make it happen. Um, John 15 says this, I am, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. Or another word there, it might say, abide in me and I will abide in you. Or dwell in me and I will dwell in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do no thing, nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up and thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain, dwell, live in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full or complete. We can stop there. It, it, he continues to go on and expand upon this. But, but here's the idea I want to get from this. Do I come to visit or dwell? Because that word there, remain, ultimately means to, to live, to remain, to dwell. And so, a person who wants a short-term investment just comes for a visit. But a person who believes that the kingdom is a long-term, lifelong investment dwells. Now let me make an illustration with this of just, you know, my house and your house. Okay? There's a difference between me being at my house and you being at my house. Right? We all, and we all get this. is very simple. 
Let me think about it. That's the difference between visiting and dwelling. Here's the deal. Our church, our church structure in you know, how we've gotten to it, we've got it set up where we want people to come visit God and then leave Him. We get trained to where you, you come to church rather than you are the church. And so if I believed I was the church, I'm the dwelling place of God, then this is just a, a part of who I am. I show up to connect with the, the body of Christ, with, with the family of God, with the other members of the church, so that I'm encouraged and built up. But I'm not just in for a visit and then I leave. It's easy to show up to a meeting or whatever in this, and, and we get that, you know, I don't even, you know, there's, we're not going to try to figure out how to get out of that this morning, but, uh, you know, that mindset of just you show up for God and then you leave. Because it, it's kind of in our heads. It's kind, of, it's kind of culturally there. And I think what that does is it causes us to go visit. We go visit God and then we leave. Rather than remaining in Him. Rather than dwelling and living. If I invite you over to my house, here's the deal. You have to leave. <laughs> I had both all my parents at my house last night. You know what? And I love them, but they had to leave. <laughs> I mean, they could, I could have let them, you know, sleep on the floor or something, or the couch, or, you know. But, you know, it was bedtime. We're showering the kids. They had to leave, and they probably wanted to leave. They didn't want to stay there. But that's the difference between, you know, a visitor and a dweller. A dweller belongs. You belong there. A visitor just comes in and then leaves. Do you know that you belong in His love? Do you know you belong in His family? Do you know that you belong being connected to Jesus? That's where I belong. That's where life is. I don't want to just be a visitor. I don't want to show up for dinner and have a great meal and then leave. Hey, that's, that's a blessing. That's, that's enjoyable. But that's not the same as me dwelling somewhere. Here's, here's the second thing about being visiting and dwelling. One... Uh, uh, a visitor has to be invited. A person who dwells has access, has the keys. And you have access to the resources. If I invite you over to my house, I, I generally don't give you a key. <laughs> Most of you in here, I'm not giving you a key to my house. I'm sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's not that I don't trust you. It's I don't need that many keys out there. You might lose it. <laughs> But when you go to visit somewhere, they don't, they don't give you the key to the house, right? They invite you in and open the door. And then again, once again, when you're, you know, and you get, to, you get the benefits of the house while you're there. But at some point, you have to leave and you don't have access to the resources. You don't know, you know, where's, where's the cookie jar with all the money? Where's the safe if you have one of those? Uh, I have a safe. There's no money in it, by the way, just so if you want to go look. Um, <laughs> there's, a, there's just other things in there uh, that I don't want to get burned up uh, if, if there was a fire. But, you know, I mean, I know where my safe is. I know where, where all the important stuff is. I know where, where I hide my extra cash. You know, I have access to the resources in my dwelling. And so Jesus, it's the same way when we're dwelling in Jesus. If I'm just visiting Him... I come to Him, and I get the benefit of Him, and then I, if I'm just like, well, I'll see you later, then I only have the benefit of His resource when I'm with Him. 
But if I belong to Him, and I dwell in Him, and I live in Him, and I'm in the family, and I belong to Him, I have access to the resources all the time because, he's sh- because I know, because I'm part of the family. Here's the, third, here's the third thing. Mixed them up on my sheet, but that's okay. Um, it's the difference, again, bet- between being a guest and an owner. And an owner rightfully has the inheritance. You know, I, I am, well, I, I'm paying for my house. The owner is actually here today. <laughs> I'll give you two guesses and the first two don't count. Um, <clears throat> but I, I'm, I'm buying my home and once I finish paying for my home, I, I rightfully own that. And so, all of the resources that are, that are in my home belong to the owner. A guest, again, it's the same illustration, a guest gets the benefit of the roof and the air conditioner and the comfort and, and the fellowship and the fun, um, but I don't have access to the inheritance. I don't have access to, to all the benefits of belonging in the household. And see, Jesus, again, is, he's making an illustration here with this parable of the vine. You know, uh, grapevines were very important in Jesus' day. It was, that was a big deal. So that was a, a very important, you know, not only would they get grapes, but they'd make wine and they'd make, make dried stuff out of them. You could make raisins. You know, it was a sign of blessing and support back then. But those things didn't happen overnight. It took a long time and a lot of work to grow grapes. And so it was, Jesus again is making an illustration of, hey, this is a long-term investment. You know, sometimes I get so focused on what's right in front of me right here that I'm not seeing, that I'm not seeing from God. I'm not seeing this from you right now. I'm not seeing this from you. And God's just saying, look, I'm, I'm looking down the road. I'm looking here and beyond because I, I, my eyes are on eternity. His eyes are on eternity. He's in eternity. It's the only way his eyes can be is view from eternity. And so it's a long-term investment. And so, you know, God invites us in to, to dwell. I don't want to... Let's not be visitors. Let's not be a visitor in the life of Jesus, in the life of God that He's, he's given us. He's given us an opportunity. The call to salvation is a call to, to, to belong in the family. It's not just that Jesus calls us and says, well, I want to clean you up so you're forgiven and so I can look at you and not be disgusted. No, He says, no, I, I want you. I am taking you from where you are and I'm bringing you into the family of God. That's a big deal. That's an awesome inheritance. And he says, hey, everything I have is, is yours. You know, in the scriptures, um, I'm, it, it, there's, there's levels of revelation. There's things that build upon each other. And we, and we have to be careful that we don't get stuck on one when, when something else was said later to reveal more of what the truth is. For example, in the Old Testament, you know, it wasn't that God was just, you know, throwing a curveball for fun. You know, there was a revelation that, you know, we sacrifice the animals and this is how there's redemption from sin. But there was a greater truth and a greater revelation that came later. Who was that? That was when Jesus came and died. He was the, the true Lamb of God. And He took away the sins of the world. And so now the, the, true, the new revelation supersedes the old. 
In other words, I don't, I don't, and none of us would believe that about, you know, sacrificing animals and reading the book of Leviticus, where I'm in right now. I'm in Leviticus because I'm doing a different Bible reading plan. Um, but, you know, you look at all that and thank you, Lord, but I don't ever, I've never thought, oh, I need to go back to that because I have a revelation that, oh, Jesus is the one. He's the sacrifice. I don't need to do anything because He already did it. I just need to receive the benefits of His sacrifice. But think about this. What, is, what does Jesus first say? First of all, He says, you're, you're servants. But, later on, what does Jesus say to His disciples? I no longer call you servants. I call you friends. Does that mean I'm not a servant anymore? You're like, I don't know if I'm supposed to say yes or no. <laughs> no, it doesn't mean, but the greater revelation is that now I can have friendship with God. There's a greater revelation than that. After that, what does it say in the Scriptures? As, it, as the revelation progresses, as the revealing of what God's truth is, is now everyone who has faith, you're, you're a child of God. You're, you're now a son or a daughter of, of the King. So that's the highest revelation of my identity, is that I am, first of all, a son. Am I still a friend of God? Absolutely. Am I still a servant? But the highest revelation, the most, the most recent revelation, the last thing that God said is, hey, this is who you are. So you start with that. It doesn't, it's not that you, don't, you aren't ever a servant again, but don't ever view yourself just as a servant. Because then you're not viewing yourself as God has made you to be in Christ. So I have to view myself because I'm operating then on a lower revelation. That would be like me going to say, oh, I still need a sacrifice too. No, I have Jesus, so I know that the sacrifice has already been made. Does that make sense? Kind of? <laughs> like Some of you are lost, I think. So that's okay. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't replace that. It adds to it. It's like God says, I build upon precept upon precept. So as, as God reveals this to you, you know, when we dwell in Him, I can know that I'm not dwelling just as a servant. I'm not dwelling just as a friend. I'm dwelling as a son or a daughter. Because there's a difference, even if I have you come dwell in my house for a season or a long time. I don't think that's going to happen with any of you, but you never know, right? <laughs> There's still a difference between you living in my house and you being my son or daughter. So when we read this, we have to know that later on, Jesus and Paul and the revelation of God through the Word of God says, hey, I'm not just dwelling as a servant. I'm not even just dwelling as a friend, as great as that would be. I'm dwelling as a son or daughter of the King. I belong... What, I, what the owner, you know, what the household owns, I have access to. That's a good thing. Don't be a visitor, be a dweller. Let's, let's stand and we're going to pray. Father, we just thank you for the reminder, Lord, that we are in this for the long haul. We're not, we're not looking for a short-term fix with you, God. We're saying, I'm, I have given you all of my life. Father, and I just pray that you would continue to help us. Lord, let us sow seed today 
that we believe we're going to reap in 5 or 10 or 15 years from now, God. It's not that we want something next week. We say, I'm going to do something today that I know could affect the future. Five years from now, ten years from now, I'm going, to, I'm going to pray today for my kids, Lord, that's going to affect them five years from now, ten years from now, twenty years from now. I'm going to invest today, Lord, in, in believing You, in Your Word, and, and, and reading Your Word, because I know in, in two, three, four, five years down the road, oh, I'm going to be so different. I'm going to get in Your presence, God. I'm going to, I'm going to worship You because I'm going to make an investment now and I'm going to do it every day because this is a long-term investment and what's going to happen after five years or after ten years or after twenty years of doing that? Lord, we know there's a great return of investment in your kingdom, God, that you have called us to, to live in the blessing and abundance that you have provided, Lord. Let us live as, Lord, let us live as the highest revelation, Lord. You've revealed it to us that we are the sons and daughters of the King if we have trusted you with our hearts, if we have, we have given you our lives, if we have declared Jesus as Lord and Master, Lord, you've raised us up and says, you're not just a servant, you're just a friend. You're my son or my daughter. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You are blessed. If you still need prayer, um, please come on up. If you have questions about anything that we do here, please come and feel free to ask anything.